0: Well, if the drums and bagpipes don't wake you up for worship, I don't know what will, but it's good to be with you, and can I tell you what a blessing it always is to be led in worship by Sterling White. Uh, Some of you may know that Sterling is a phenomenally gifted pastor. She is somebody who's incredibly organized, if you've ever had the chance to work with her. She loves God, and she loves the people in this congregation so well, and Two weeks from today, uh, Sterling is going to be ordained as a pastor in our ECO denomination and in this church. And so, if you know Sterling, that'll be in the 11 o'clock service two weeks from today. So, I would encourage you to be there, celebrate uh, God's call on Sterling's life, the gift that she is to this congregation. Uh, For those of you I don't know, my name is Charlie Dunn, and I have the privilege of getting to pastor one of the congregations in our family of churches called Grace Church Lake Highlands. And last Sunday, we celebrated three years since we began worshiping in Lake Highlands, and uh, that got me thinking back to even a year and a half before that when this congregation asked me and my wife Brandy to start praying about and considering if we would be part of helping to start a new neighborhood church in our city. And I remember back then there were a lot of walks, there were a lot of conversations, there were a lot of prayers trying to discern is this the path that God would have us to go down? Was this the direction God was wanting us to go? And and no doubt each of you in your lives, you have made similarly significant big life decisions. Maybe reaching back into your teenage years, you can remember discerning, do I go to college? And if so, what school should I go to? Or what major should I pursue? Maybe what job should I try to get? What career path should I go down? Some of you, I'm sure, have made a pivot. You've made a change. You've had to discern, do I go down a different career path? Or maybe you've moved even across the country to pursue a new opportunity. Maybe you think about those questions that come with romantic relationships. Is this the right person to date? Or is this the right person to marry? Is this the right time to get married? Should we marry and then should we have kids? When should we have kids? All of the decisions that go into parenting that I know you've wrestled with, those of you who are parents, certainly decisions around um, navigating conflict within relationships, maybe decisions about physical health. Some of you have discerned, is this the right time for me to retire? And then how would God call me to spend my days thereafter? Big life decisions. And when you find yourself at these crossroads, these decisions, what we need in those moments is not just a consultant. What we need is a shepherd. Somebody who loves us, who cares for us, who will lead us on the path that is truly for our good. I heard a story not long ago about a shepherd who was shepherding his sheep on a hillside because it's Kirkland of the Tartan. We'll say it was a Scottish hillside. And so the shepherd was there with his flock and he looked down and he saw a sports car pull up at the base of the hill. And out of the sports car came a a man who was wearing a three-piece suit. The shepherd was intrigued, and so he came down to talk to this man, and the man said to the shepherd, he said, listen, if I can accurately guess the number of sheep in your flock, will you give me one of your sheep? The shepherd said, okay, and the man got out his laptop, he started running some calculations, he did some analytics, and he said, you have 1,426 sheep. The shepherd said, that's right. A man, very pleased with himself, grabbed the nearest one and put it in the back seat of his car. And as he was getting ready to leave, the shepherd said, well, hang on just a sec. If I can accurately guess your profession, will you give it back? And he said, well, sure. And he said, you're a consultant. He said, well, how did you know? He said, well, you came here uninvited. You told me what I already know. You know nothing about my profession. Now give me back my dog. I love that. I get a kick out of it. But friends, what we need in those big life decisions, we don't need a consultant just to give us advice. We need a shepherd, somebody who can lead us and guide us down the paths that we need to pursue. I know that you've been in a teaching series called The Heart of the Father. And I think that part of God's heart towards us is that he doesn't want to be removed and distant in those decisions in our lives. He wants to be engaged. He wants to lead us and guide us in every single decision, just as a shepherd would lead and guide his flock. Some of you were here in November when Rich Conwisher preached an excellent sermon on the whole of Psalm 23, the shepherding psalm. But I want to zero in this morning on just one verse. Psalm 23, verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David says you can go through life with a shepherd. You don't have to make those decisions alone. You can experience the blessing of a shepherd leading and guiding you in all of those life decisions. That is assuming you want to be led. Assuming you want to have a shepherd. You see, the first step to being led and guided by the shepherd is to admit that you are not the master and the commander of your life, but that you are a frail, prone to wander sheep who needs a shepherd. It always starts with that first step of surrender. But if you're willing to surrender to God in that way, he wants to lead you, he wants to guide you. How do you experience that blessing of being led and guided in the decisions of your life? Scripture has a lot to say about that. I want to look at this one verse, Psalm 23.3. When we look at that verse, we discover that if you want to experience God's leading and guiding, there are three questions we need to consistently be asking. And then there's one promise that we need to deeply embrace. So first, the questions. Here's the first question. It's a pretty simple question. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? Do you recognize how familiar are you with the voice of your shepherd? You know, I've been told that in David's day, who wrote Psalm 23, and in Jesus' day, it was pretty common for shepherds to gather their sheep at night into the same pen. And then in the morning, the shepherds would come and they would call to their sheep, and their sheep would go to their shepherds. You know, a lot's been said about how sheep are not the brightest of animals, but I'll tell you, one of the things that sheep actually do really well is they recognize the voice of their shepherd. I heard about an experiment once where five shepherds gathered all of their sheep into one group together. They spread out 30 yards apart, they started calling to their sheep. Amazingly, all of the sheep, they went. To the right shepherd because sheep are really good at recognizing their shepherd's voice and jesus draws on that in john 10:3, when he says that he's the good shepherd he says my sheep know my voice and i call them by name so if you want god to lead you and guide you as your shepherd the first question you need to ask is how well do i know my shepherd's voice well how do you learn the voice of your shepherd You learn his voice through the scriptures. You learn it through the Bible. You learn it through God's word where he has already spoken. Because I'll tell you, your shepherd is not going to lead or guide you down paths that contradict what he has already spoken in his word. So for example, if you're trying to navigate some kind of relational conflict, Maybe somebody has hurt you and now you're tempted to want to try to hurt them so they feel some of the hurt they have inflicted on you. Or maybe if you're thinking to yourself, this person is just so draining and difficult, I'm just going to cut them out of my life and withdraw from them. Or maybe if you're so averse to conflict, even though you've been hurt and you've got an issue, you're not going to bring it up because you don't want to enter into that conflict. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? do you know what he's already said about how to navigate conflict? Jesus who says, look, if you are here in worship and you realize that your brother has something against you, not even do you have something against them, you've got, they've got something against you, he says, go, seek to be reconciled to them, be a peacemaker. Jesus who says that when we are wronged, we are to forgive, not to seek revenge, to forgive over and over again. Jesus who tells us that, yeah, sometimes you've got to enter into conflict even when it's uncomfortable, but when you do so, first try to get the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your neighbor. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? Maybe if you're trying to discern, do I change jobs? Do I take a different job from the job that I'm in now? Do you know your shepherd's voice well enough to know if I make this decision to change, I better make it for a reason other than just how much money I'll get paid in that job? Because after all, doesn't my shepherd say that life is not found in the abundance of one's possessions? Or to beware of greed. Or maybe if you find yourself tempted to make a decision that will require you to break a commitment or to have to shade the truth or to feel like you've got to be deceptive in some way in order to make that decision to know the voice of your shepherd who says let your yes be yes and your no be no, to be a person of deep integrity. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? And listen, can I suggest that often in our lives when we make bad decisions, I've seen this in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of of people that I've pastured. When we make bad choices, choices that end up really hurting ourselves, hurting the people we love, and lead to us feeling a greater distance from God in our lives, that so often those choices, they end up being the outworking of a prior neglect of listening to our shepherd's voice in his word. Sheep are great at remembering the voice of their shepherd, human beings are really not. And so often a lack of devotion to reading scripture, to regularly hearing God's voice in his word will inevitably lead us to veer from those right paths. Do you know and are you listening to and tuning your heart to the voice of your shepherd? Now, admittedly, a lot of the decisions that we face in life, it's not as if sort of one path is counter to God's word and the other is faithful to it. Often both choices could, on their own, be faithful to Jesus. They could be ethical, they could be moral, and so therefore, in those situations, we got to dig a little bit deeper. we got to drill down to the level of motivations. What's motivating me in this decision? And often that requires slowing down Enough so that you can really pray and listen and understand what's going on in your own heart, sometimes to journal about that and to ask the second question that this verse invites us to ask. Namely, in this decision, whose name am I seeking? Whose name or whose fame am I seeking? David says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So therefore, we've got to be willing to ask that question, whose name am I really seeking? Whose reputation really matters to me more, God's or my own? Whose kingdom am I really building here, my own kingdom or God's? I remember being so impressed with a friend of mine a few years ago. He was a consultant. So any of you who are feeling badly who are consultants from that joke earlier, I'm sorry for that. But he was a consultant working for a big consulting firm. He'd been there for a couple of years. He'd been committed for a couple of more. And he had this opportunity come up to go be the CFO of an up-and-coming company. And everybody around him, his friends, his family, everybody was telling him, you've got to take this opportunity. This is your chance to get ahead. You need to do this. You need to make this, this job change. And I remember him sharing with me, he said, when he really began um, to feel a sense of peace about saying no to this decision, he just wasn't feeling right about it, was when he began to realize that so much of the reason why he was attracted to this new job actually had, 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 had little to do with the job itself and the good work he could do in it or the ways he could use new skills and abilities or stored that responsibility, he realized so much of what was drawing him to it was just the thought of when he would meet people and they would ask him what he did, he'd be able to say he was the CFO and they would be impressed with him. Plus, along with that, he could get out from under the authority of the senior associates that he was working with. And when he began to realize that that was what was really motivating him, he knew himself well enough and he loved his shepherd deeply enough that he said, That's not a good reason for me to take this job. And I love that. Whose name are you seeking? Uh, I'll, I'll share with you one of those decision moments in my life uh, came a couple of years ago. Uh, so we, we'd started this church in Lake Highlands. We were about a year in. We found out that we were no longer going to be able to worship in the location where we'd started worship. And I remember when I learned that this was the case, um, I was so anxious. I could not sleep that night. I got up finally, and I just started praying. And my prayers began, God, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And there was some of, why are you letting this happen? And as I started praying... I felt like God began to to redirect my prayers as if God was saying, you're asking the wrong question. You need to go back and you need to ask the question, whose name are you really seeking? As I started asking that question, I realized part of why I was so afraid was the fear that, well, what if we didn't find another good location? And what if it wasn't as good as where we were? And what if people stopped coming? And then what if nobody was coming? And then the whole church came to an end. And, of course, that would be really disappointing. But if I was really honest with myself, the reason I was so afraid was there's the fear that I would be a failure. And more than that, it was the fear that people would perceive me as a failure. And I felt as if, as I was praying that prayer, whose name are you seeking? God convicted me to say, Charlie, whose church are you really building? To begin to see that so much of my name, my reputation, the way I wanted to be perceived by others was was tied up into the church. And Jesus reminded me, he said, look, I promised to build my church, the capital C church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But little C churches? They close their doors all the time. They shut down all the time, and my mission goes forward. It was as if in that time of praying, Jesus brought me back to that place of surrender, of being able to say, okay, you're the shepherd. I'm just the sheep. Keep this going or shut it down. Because as long as I have you, I shall not want. As long as I have you, I have what my heart most deeply needs. It wasn't as if God then suddenly like, gave me a vision of the new worship location we were to go to. But I think going forward, as we wrestled with that question of where do we go, I, I did so less from that place of pride and ambition and fear and, and more from a place of trust and peace and courage. We've got to ask that question, whose name are we really seeking? But there's a third question. And the third question is not one I think I would have thought about. Uh, Until a few weeks ago, I was sitting down with a a member of our church over at Grace, and he shared with me, he said at the start of 2023, um, he decided to memorize Psalm 23. A great thing to do, by the way, if, if you've never done that. He decided to memorize Psalm 23, and then he committed to pray Psalm 23 every day at the beginning of his day. And he did that all through the year. And when you pray the same prayer at the beginning of your day every day, you're gonna start to paraphrase. You're gonna start to put it in your own words. And so here was his paraphrase of verse three. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He started to pray, Jesus, would you help me to be a person of such integrity that I would be willing to do what I believe is right, even if it leads me into the dark valley. And you see, I never made that connection before between verse three and then verse four. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He made that connection that sometimes to follow your good shepherd will lead you into a dark valley. And he was able to share with me actually specific ways that he had seen that happen as he was praying this prayer over the last year. How he actually had to step down from a board of an organization that he had loved being a part of for years because he saw something happening that he thought was really unethical. And so he had to step down. And one of his friends, who had been a friend for years, now will not take his calls, um, doesn't want anything to do with him. Because he sought to do what he thought was right. It led him into a dark valley. And you know, David, who wrote Psalm 23, he was familiar with that dynamic. You remember David, if you know his story, he was serving King Saul. He was incredibly loyal. He was a devoted part of Saul's administration. Saul turned on David. He became jealous of David. He started murderously pursuing David. And even when David had the chance to kill King Saul and to take things into his own hands, he refused to do so. He said, who am I to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed? But it was precisely because he was trying to walk on paths of righteousness that he had to live in caves as a fugitive on the run from a king who was trying to kill him. You know, David had a descendant named Jesus. And Jesus lived a life of far more integrity than David. And where did it lead him? He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. He was led into the deepest and darkest valley that any human being has ever entered before. And so friends, here's a word of caution. Do not pray for God to lead and guide you on paths of righteousness, unless you are willing to really answer that third question. Am I willing to follow my shepherd, even when it means being led into a dark valley? And Some of you might say, well, why would I want to follow him? Then, if following him might lead me into a dark valley, and let me remind you then, let me remind you that, that the restored soul that begins verse 3, is connected to the right paths. Verse 3 begins by saying, He restores my soul. And often we connect that to verse 2, that is, lying down in green pastures and laying by still waters. But having a restored soul, going through life with a soul that really is flourishing, is as much tied to the right food as it is to the right paths. To put it in other words, holiness leads to happiness. And you are not going to have a flourishing soul to the degree to which you are walking paths that your shepherd is not walking with you. There's an incredible freedom. There's an incredible refreshment that comes to your soul in obedience, even when it means following Jesus into the dark valley. Yet wherever your shepherd leads you, don't miss this, we'll end with this. There is an incredible promise that God gives to us when we follow, when we seek to go down the right paths for his name's sake. Remember, that's where we began. I said that there are three questions you need to ask and there's one promise to embrace if you want to experience God's guiding and leading in your life. Well, what is that promise? Here's the promise. In whatever decisions you make as you seek to follow the Lord, Your good shepherd goes before you. He goes in front of you. Uh, Apparently, there's a difference between Western shepherds and Eastern shepherds. Western shepherds, like Scottish shepherds, they, they lead their sheep from behind. They use sheepdogs to lead them from behind. But Eastern shepherds, like David or like Jesus would have been familiar with, they would go in front of their sheep. They would go before their sheep and they would lead them by their voice. Now, why is that so comforting, as we make decisions in our lives to know that our shepherd goes in front of us? Well, you know, three years ago, when we were starting the the church in Lake Highlands, people would ask me the question. They would say, how did you know, or how do you know, that God is calling you um, to start and be a part of starting this new church? My answer would be, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know it at least with any certainty. right I could see there's, there's a need. There's a need for a new neighborhood church in Lake Highlands. There's an opportunity that Highland Park Prez is, is giving us. There's a desire to say, "I want to be a part of helping more people find and follow Jesus." And there's the affirmation of other people who say, "Yeah, we want to be a part of this with you." But if I said, "I knew with certainty, I'd be lying to you." Right? Very rarely. In our decisions, do we have that level of certainty? Very rarely do you get an audible voice from God, or do you get Gideon's fleece, or if you know your Old Testament, the Urim, the Thummim, where you can just sort of roll the dice and God gives you a direct answer. Rarely do we have that kind of certainty in our decisions. So, what do you do? You pray about it, you ask good questions, you seek godly counsel. Then you commit yourself to the Lord and you make a decision. Like Nike says, you just do it. You make a decision. You cut in a particular direction. But here's what's so great. If your shepherd goes in front of you, if you make the right decision, well then awesome. Now you're going down the right path. But if you make the wrong decision... And maybe you kind of veer off the path that God has for your life. That's okay too because he's going before you. He can redirect you. His guiding is not just the guidance that he gives that he speaks in his word, but it's the guiding that he does. Like he redirects us in ways that are for his loving plan for our lives. He goes before us in those decisions. So much so that Jesus was willing to go before us, our good shepherd, even into the very depths of hell, as he took all of our sin upon himself on the cross, and as then he rose again and came out on the other side of death, meaning that if he's your good shepherd, the very worst that even death can do to you now is to bring you into the loving arms of your good shepherd who one day will raise you up with a resurrection life like his. And listen, I know that some of you in this room this morning, maybe for you, this idea that God is working everything for your good, going before you, that is hard to hear, much less to believe. Because maybe you look at your life right now, and it seems really confusing. It seems really disorienting to be able to see how your shepherd is working things for your good. But do not forget that you're a sheep. You're a sheep, you're not the shepherd. And even when the good shepherd, as Luke 15 says, goes and looks for a lost sheep and the shepherd rejoices to find his lost sheep and the shepherd picks up the sheep and throws the sheep over his shoulders and the shepherd is rejoicing, the sheep is not rejoicing. The sheep is panicking. The sheep is fretting. The sheep is thinking, what on earth is going on? Where is he taking me? This is so disorienting. And so when you feel that way in your life, maybe the reason why is not because you don't have a good shepherd who's going before you. Maybe it's because you're a sheep. And maybe in those especially painful moments, he's not just going in front of you, but he's actually carrying you on his shoulder. And so friends, trust the good shepherd. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Ask those good questions. Am I listening? Do I know his voice in his word? Whose name am I really seeking? Am I willing to follow him even when it means going into a dark valley and then embracing and trusting that comforting promise that he goes in front of us in all the decisions we make, seeking to follow his right paths? Let's pray together now. Would you join me as we pray? Lord Jesus, we know that while you are so eager to guide us, you will not override us. And so we pray that first and foremost this morning, we could again surrender ourselves to you. We could let you be our shepherd. And then would we experience the blessing of your leading and guiding direction in our lives? Would you help us to be people who listen to your word and who know your voice? Would you help us to die to ourselves so that we would seek your name ahead of our own? Would you help us to be people who trust you enough to walk with you and to do what is right, to have the courage to do so, even when it means costly consequences. And then would you comfort us with knowing that you go before us? And would you restore our souls as we seek to walk in those right paths with you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.